Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer, the regular episode. Regular, regular <laughs> episode. The regular, regular. My name is Kenna. I'm Kowal. doing today i'm all right it's going okay right i'm yeah. like hella anxious again are you all the time 100 percent of the time well i just killed like a giant fucking roach that right was before i sat down fucking disgusting and it was twitchy it was so twitchy Ugh. i was sequestered to our closet yeah i, I stepped on it out. but like its back leg was it was like a dog when they're wet it like <laughs> shook its leg i was like ah! I picked it up with a hairbrush and put it in the toilet. It was a very traumatic moment. For it was both of disgusting. Us. And then Koel was like, Oh, I'm so glad I was just in that bathroom with a cockroach. I was like, Oh no, it came from the closet that we're fucking recording in right now. Great. So that is our day. I think the worst part is when you found the head. Yeah, the head was pretty gross. I was like, Stop looking at me. <laughs> Let me do this. Why won't you die? I don't know if anyone else is familiar with the... We call them roaches, but technically they're water bugs here in Texas. They're called palmettos, and they look like a giant roach, and they fly. And some people have roaches that don't fly. Our roaches fucking fly, yeah, and they're, they're terrifying. I would be fine with, like, a hissing cockroach. I would oh, hold one of those. No, those things gross me. Yeah, okay. I think it's their underbellies that are creepy, too. But at least they're not unpredictable. <laughs> Just got the full heaps <laughs> silently. <laughs> Give me the heaps and the cheese. Uh, <laughs> Disgusting. So, anyway, welcome back to another episode. This one's going to be really fucking awesome. A lot of people, I'm sure you know when you clicked on the title of the episode, what we're going to be talking about. But as always, Koel does not know what we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about. And of course, on her episodes, I don't know. I didn't want to say, as always, you don't know. <laughs> you yeah. bring the case. <laughs> but yeah, I'm we'll just, get into that in just a sec. But, do it on the fly. Yeah, exactly. We just make up something in our minds and yeah. hope that it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we actually spend a lot of time doing research because we love you guys, and we want you to have the best content. I'm making pho today, and I'm tell you what, boiling bones isn't what it used to be after really? Dahmer. Oh, God. That's all I thought about. That's like, so gross. Oh, I could totally pour this meat down the fucking sink, and it was Blech. gross, that and I had gross. to think about that. Thanks, Dahmer. Do you want to talk about our handles before we get into the episode? Sure. You can check us out at diagnosingakiller.com. There you will find links to merch and resources and some other cool, awesome thingies. Click our link to get a discount on our tickets to come see us at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival in August, late August. Ooh. I'm so excited. It's I'm right around so the corner. I'm so excited, too. And we just made plans to see Jennifer and Jonathan. Yes. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be awesome. Jennifer told me that she messaged Jonathan, and she goes, uh, yeah, I've been shouted out on the podcast like three times. Where the hell have you been? <laughs> He's <laughs> like, I'm busy. We get to hang out with Lens but, and yeah. Mare. Meredith is moving. Oh, you're right. Well, oh, my so gosh. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a great weekend, for sure. And I we think get to see all of our... our patreon members yeah absolutely yeah and i think we made made the decision yesterday that the three-day weekend is now going to be turned into a five-day week for yes. weekend for us so. it just makes sense the schedule is going to have to work that way it really yeah. is just to be available at every minute for absolutely. you guys to see you guys at our booth exactly and we definitely didn't want to have to like 
wrap it up early on Sunday just to get home. So yeah. we're staying that night as well, just to be safe. Sure. But we'll definitely have some things. We actually do have some things in the works for you guys. If you do come and see us at the festival, we have some free goodies that we're going to give out and maybe some other prizes, if you yeah. will. And yeah, just come check us out. Really excited. And then, of course, there's a bunch of other great podcasts that are going as well. For sure. I'm really excited to mingle with the other podcasts. Me too. It's be so fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to meet Texas Wine and True Crime. Ooh. I like them. <laughs> so yes, you can absolutely use our coupon code, which is D-A-K-P-O-D, D-A-K-P-O-D, to get, what, 15% off? Yes. Which is awesome. Yep. Check us out on social media everywhere at Diagnosing a Killer, other than Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. We, there you get, uh, let's see, $5 gets you ad-free episodes, and Tier 2 and 3 gets you that bonus episode every month on the 29th. And I think it's about time for us to release who we're doing for the bonus episode, because they will be coming out the Saturday after you hear this, but I'll wait till the end of the episode to announce who I'm doing. Ooh, I can't wait to hear. Ooh. Let's just say Jay Will is going to be really excited. Oh, <laughs> that's a hint. I'll a hint give you hint. some time to think about that while we get into <laughs> this case. So, as you know, if you've clicked on the episode, you know who we're talking about, but, well, it's going to come as a surprise. Okay. So, today, we are going to be talking about Nicholas Godijohn. Nicholas Godijohn. How do I know this? Is Nicholas Godijohn... Uh, Nicholas Godijohn. Is this Gypsy Rose? Content warning. No, is it Gypsy Rose? <laughs> yes. Oh! <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't catch on until I got to it. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. I wanted you to do this one for so long. It's good. Oh. It's oh. not good at all, but <gasps> it's a lot. I'm so excited. Okay. Content warning. This episode contains depictions of graphic child abuse, extreme deception, and sexual assault. If this episode is not for you, we recommend you finding another episode. Remember, your mental health is very important to us, and we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. So, yes, Ugh. you fucking caught on like Ugh. you always do. Ugh. This is the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard and Dee Dee Blanchard. However, the killer in the story is Nicholas Godijohn, so we're going to talk about him first. Yeah. So, Nicholas Nick Godijohn was born on May 20th, 1989, in Big Bend, Wisconsin, to Stephanie Goldhammer. I actually could not find the name of his biological father, and as far as I can tell, he didn't have any siblings. There's really not, oh. like, a lot of info about his childhood. Just single mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, according to Nick, his parents split up around the time that he was three or four, and he would state about this time, quote, from that time forward, I was different from everyone else, end quote. Aww. There's really not, again, not much known about his childhood, mostly because he pretty much refuses to talk about anybody in his family when he's interviewed. Interesting. Is it just, do you think, just out of the prote- out of protection for them, or? I don't know if it's out of protection or out of, like, selfishness, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he, I think my personal opinion is that he is trying to play this innocent role. So he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, talk about that, because that's not important, because I deserve to be out, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. You can tell me at the end what you think. Okay. (laughs) So while Nick was still growing up, his mother, Stephanie, would meet and marry a man by the name of Robert Bobby Godijohn, and Nick would ultimately take his last name. While Nick was still in grade school, he would be diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, a diagnosis we now know as being on the autism spectrum. He would state about this diagnosis, quote, from the very first day when I was in kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, every single one of those days I was in special education. The weird thing, though, is that even though I was in special education throughout that entire time, I was considered one of the smarter kids in the classroom that I was in. 
just because of my high-functioning autism, Asperger syndrome, hmm. end quote. Nick would go on to say that his childhood was very different from other kids his age, stating, quote, I was actually basically alone, end quote. So he felt really isolated. Yeah. And I can imagine so. You know, he is very high-functioning on the spectrum, so he's probably in a classroom with kiddos that aren't as high-functioning, so he yeah. probably feels isolated there. But he also feels isolated from other classmates of his that aren't in special education right. classes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's only child, you know. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate nowadays that every child has a unique education plan. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's I, at least where we're at, where our district's at. So. Yeah, absolutely. And Which I would hope it would be that way across the board. Because, well, and it should because everybody yeah. learns differently. Yeah. And I actually have a really good quote. It's from one of my coworkers. She said, if they can't learn the way you teach, you need to teach the way they learn. Yeah. And I was like, I really like that. So Bobby, again, Nick's adopted father, would state about him during this time, quote, it was hard for him to make friends. He was always by himself, pretty much grew up by himself. He had friends, not many, one or two, but mainly family. We're his friends, end mm. quote. Like his family is his friends? Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. Nick would recall being really into computers as a kid, stating, quote, I tried to get into computer programming, but they weren't too happy with how long I was taking to grasp it all. Ever since then, I really wasn't able to pursue any other paths of any types of careers, end mm. quote. Due to him being let down once again, Nick became increasingly isolated in his childhood. He would comment, quote, I kept to myself. The reason I kept to myself is because I didn't really have the social skills due to my mental disability, end quote. That's got to be, like, so frustrating, you yeah. know? You want to be... You know, you have all of these wants and goals and all this other stuff, and you see people that are neurotypical achieving these kinds of goals. And, you know, it might just not be his thing, but he probably feels like the only thing that's holding him back is that, you yeah. know? And it really does seem that way, like, in yeah, interviews just, and stuff. But he's so frustrated. So Nick would continue to try to put himself out there, but in the wrong ways, unfortunately. When he was 23 years old in 2013, he would actually be arrested when he was allegedly caught masturbating while watching porn inside of a McDonald's. Okay, well, that escalates quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That doesn't seem like something that's specific to neurodivergent people. Oh, no, I definitely don't think that's the case here. Um, but I think he, again, social skills might be a little different in his brain he yeah. might not really think that that's as big of an issue as it is or yeah. maybe he like doesn't realize like how inappropriate that is you know yeah it's pretty inappropriate though yeah. i don't know i just feel like that's something that you don't just do, do. yeah exactly <laughs> so he was arrested for this of course and while the police were searching him they actually located a large folding knife in his pocket so he would subsequently be charged with carrying a concealed weapon and disorderly conduct Oh, he only got disorderly? Yeah. Not indecent exposure or any of that not. other stuff? So he wouldn't serve any time for this, as far as I know. How old was he? I'm sorry. He was 23 at this time. Oh, so he was an adult. Yeah, not a lot about his childhood, so it kind of jumps quickly to adulthood. I mean, he could have been a registered offender. Yeah, he honestly. definitely could have. So because of the isolation Nick was continuing to experience, he decided that he was now going to attempt to connect with new people online via the internet. Bobby would mention about Nick's new habits, quote, Nick, he was lonely. He loved the internet because he was able to connect with people. He could be himself on the internet, mm. end quote. Dr. Mark Feldman, a psychiatrist who would later assist in a documentary about this story, stated that the internet, quote, gives a lot of people, not just Nick and not just people with autism or other mental health issues, an opportunity to expand and play with who they are, 
Hmm. End quote. So around the age of 25, Nick would not only pursue the internet to find friends to talk to, but he was also subconsciously looking for a romantic connection as well. Because up until now, he has not experienced that. Yeah. And I'm sure he's seeing people in his life experiencing that. Right, yeah. A connection, intimate connections, right? Yes. So because of this, he would join a Christian dating site. He was shocked when he ended up meeting somebody on this site that seemed to be the perfect fit for him. Hmm. The two ended up hitting it off right away and began sharing secrets of their feelings with each other very quickly. This person that Nick had become close to very fast was none other than Gypsy Rose Blanchard. We already know that. Because <laughs> Coel ruined it. <laughs> I ruined it for everyone. <laughs> I was I was expecting that to be like a big dun-dun-dun moment, <laughs> but it didn't really work like that. Anyway, so, so Nick would say that he was a, quote, recluse who was going nowhere before he met Gypsy. Aww. Going nowhere. Yeah, isn't that really sad? So that's like the pretty much most I could find about Nick's childhood yeah. and going into adulthood up until meeting Gypsy. Now we're going to switch around and talk about Gypsy a little bit as well. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born on July 27th, 1991 to parents Claudine, Pert, and Rod Blanchard. Claudine was just 17 when Gypsy was born and Rod was 24 at the time of her birth in 1991. Let's just remember that, okay? 91. Yes. Yeah. So the two decided to name their daughter Gypsy because Claudine really liked the name, and Rose because Rod was a big fan of Guns N' Roses. Oh, that's <laughs> kind of cute. cute right? I like that. <laughs> the couple would ultimately separate shortly before Gypsy was born when Rod realized he, quote, got married for the wrong reasons. Was it because she was pregnant? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Once Gypsy was out in the world, Claudine begged for Rod to come back and be with them, but he would refuse. And Claudine would subsequently take newborn Gypsy to live with her family in Louisiana. Although Rod did not want to be with Claudine, he did want to be a part of his daughter's life, and he would be around for the first few months. When Gypsy was just three months old, Claudine became convinced that Gypsy had sleep apnea and almost immediately began taking her to the hospital and would spend multiple nights there so doctors could run tests while Gypsy slept. she, like, afraid of SIDS or something, you think? Like, sudden infant death syndrome? I don't know. I don't know if maybe there was, like, one night where Gypsy, like, might have, like, coughed in her sleep. And she's like, oh, shit! You know what I mean? <laughs> alert! Like, alert! <laughs> oh, gosh. So they actually had her stay in the hospital for several days while hooked up to a sleeping monitor, but the result would conclude that little Gypsy did not have sleep apnea or any signs of other sleep disorders at all. And she was, like, three months? Three months old. Okay, so already it's, like, yeah, high alert, mom. Claudine was still convinced that something was seriously wrong with little Gypsy and would quickly become convinced that she had an unspecified chromosomal disorder. Like, it's very specific. <laughs> but it's not, because it's unspecified. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> chromosomal had, disorder is She had a general one. Yeah, that's true. So when Gypsy was still very young... Claudine had become convinced that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy as well, and she would have Gypsy use a walker in order to alleviate her pain. Okay. So that was, like, I want to say, like, three or four, probably. Yeah, because I was going to say she has to be of walking age. Yeah. Just typically, you know, one or two. And as a child, you're not really going to, like, question your mom when they tell you to use something. Yeah. But then she said to alleviate her pain. Do you think that Gypsy ever complained? I mean, not that that would be documented, but... No, I don't, personally. Okay. When Gypsy was seven or eight, she was riding on the back of her grandpa's motorcycle when the two were involved in a very minor accident. In this accident, Gypsy would get a superficial wound on her knee. Okay. 
Due to this injury, though, Claudine would claim that doctors issued Gypsy a wheelchair that she would be required to use. After a minor motor motorcycle accident. So she, all she had was a superficial wound on her knee, but Claudine was pretty much trying to say, like, she got injured worse than that. And, like, doctors gave her this wheelchair, so she has to use it. And, like, everyone else was like, what? What? Like, it was, like, a fender and, bender. Yeah. <laughs> you know or I mean? or some people didn't. She probably, oh, she's in a wheelchair because she was in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, that's true. That's all she has to say. So, hmm. at this point, Gypsy and the rest of her family are all under the impression that she is now seriously ill and unable to walk. Okay. So, again, muscular dystrophy, unspecified chromosomal disorder, and wheelchair now. Mm-hmm. And sleep apnea, maybe. No. Well, that's not been, you know, Well, diagnosed. some, ty- some yeah. type of a sleeping issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Claudine would frequently take Gypsy to the Special Olympics to compete. And in 2001, when Gypsy was 10, she was entered once again. Okay, and... She's still in a wheelchair. Okay. So she could be part of the Special Olympics. Okay. But, you know, that's... How do I choose my words very carefully here? She's... I don't know if any any of our listeners have heard this story or not, but we're assuming that this is unnecessary. Yes. And so she's a... What we can kind of agree, you and I at least, (laughs) in this moment, that she is a neurotypical able-bodied individual who is competing in the Special Olympics. Yes, but as far as she knows, because she's been told by her mother, yes, Yes. Gypsy, she's not able to walk. She's been told by Claudine her whole life that she has to be reliant on this wheelchair. I don't know what Claudine has told everyone else, Mm -hmm. the reasoning why Gypsy's still in the wheelchair even following the motorcycle accident. Right. However, muscular dystrophy, she might be trying to use that. Yeah, and especially if Gypsy is getting used to being in a wheelchair and using yes. a walker, she likely isn't developing a lot of muscle in her legs. Yes, and... Which, yeah, could also appear like she has some type of a muscle issue. Yeah, and just to be, like, very clear, none of these have been diagnosed. None of these None of these? That, none of these things that Claudine is claiming that Gypsy has has been diagnosed. Whoa. So, again, what the judges didn't know was that Gypsy was allegedly able-bodied, like we would think. But she was entered as being eight years old, even though she was ten. In the Special Olympics? Yes. So let me just make it clear. 2001, Gypsy was Mm ten. Claudine entered her in the Special Olympics, but put her age down as eight. Okay. Gypsy would not argue with this point, because she actually believed that she was eight years old, because her mother had told her differently when she was young enough to not realize a birth date. Right. You know? So she thinks she's eight when she's really ten. And this is a theme that we'll see. That's why I said to remember the birth date of 91. You have to be, yeah, you have to be confusing the crap out of your kid because, I mean, my kiddo's seven. And since he was, like, four, he would say, I can't wait to be X. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to be five. I can't. And then once he was five, I can't wait to be six. He kept track of all that on his own. So what's interesting is that she would really have to, at one point, say, oh, you're not going to be five next year. You're going to be four. Yeah. And then really hammer Or that just home. gaslight the fuck out of her and be like, I don't know why you thought you were turning 10 or why you thought you were 10. You're eight. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who told you that you were 10, but you're eight. And that takes, like, you say that enough to a child, though, they're going to believe you because right. they don't have the... They don't have another... The compass. brain development. To, yeah, to do that. Ugh, that's messed I up. I know. It's awful. So Gypsy would also be named the honorary queen of the crew of Mid-City, a parade Aww. held during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It's cute. It is thought that Claudine took Gypsy out of school due to her, quote, illnesses around second grade, 
although some sources state that it may have been kindergarten. But even though, either way, she had been homeschooled pretty much her entire life. Yeah, is she well. eight or is she ten? I mean, exactly. that's the difference, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Claudine would do her version of homeschooling Gypsy from then on, and this was later believed to be a way for Claudine to further isolate Gypsy from anyone outside. Because she's getting older, right? She can yeah. tell people at school. Right. You know? Gypsy would actually later claim that the only reason she even learned to read at all was by reading the Harry Potter novels. Aww. So at this point, Gypsy's father, Rod, had remarried, and Claudine would move her and Gypsy and herself in, her and Gypsy and herself in with Claudine's father and stepmother. (laughs) All three of them. (laughs) She would move herself and Gypsy in with Claudine's father and stepmother. Okay. Shortly after they moved in, Claudine's stepmother became increasingly ill. (gasps) What? It was later thought that while they were living there, Claudine was actually putting weed killer into her stepmother's food, which was contributing to her illness. My my jaw was on the floor just now. I haven't heard this. Yeah. During this time as well, Claudine would actually be arrested several times for minor offenses, including, like, writing bad checks, like, really small amounts of, like, forgery. Or yeah. Or, you know, it's like a felon. A felony, whatever. <laughs> You said that's so minor cute. things. Just some minor things. You know, a felony here, <laughs> felony, felony there. Here, felony there. Just felonies all the way. So when her father and stepmother began to frequently confront her about Gypsy's health, being Claudine, and now the stepmother's dwindling health, Claudine took Gypsy and the two of them moved to the New Orleans suburb of Slido. Okay. So she's like, as soon as someone questions me on my shit, I'm out. I'm out. Just like, not with Rod, but... Just like she did with, um, I guess, with the doctors, like, even before, like, telling her, oh, I'm not giving you a diagnosis, or maybe the Special Olympics, they moved. Yeah. They moved in with her father and stepmother, and then as soon as they got a little inkling of something, she's like, nope, I'm out. Didn't she kind of keep Gypsy from Rod, though, after? Oh, yeah. And I'll get into she that. was, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, because he was like, no, like, why are you trying she's to say that she has baby. all this stuff, and it's not diagnosed? Yeah. Because you know? he obviously has access to her medical records. So shortly after the two, being Gypsy and Claudine, moved away, Claudine's stepmother's health just happened to return to normal. She's totally fine. So, yeah. Like, it was clearly something that she was doing. That is definitely so scary. something I did not know. Really? Oh, well, there you yeah. go. I taught you something. You did. And I, I feel like I know this case. <laughs> in Slidell, Claudine and Gypsy would live in public housing, living off of the child support Rod had been giving them, and medical assistance from Gypsy's supposed medical conditions. So she's, like, claiming disability for uh, yes. Gypsy. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I might Ugh. have misspoken that she hadn't been diagnosed with anything, but I think up until this point she hadn't. And she will, unfortunately, get diagnosed with certain things that aren't accurate. Well, if she's forging checks, she can forge medical records. That's very true. If she's going to the pediatrician's office, she's getting a paper trail somewhere, and she can totally white out that shit That's and make copies. That's very true. Now, during this time, Claudine and Gypsy would visit many different specialists mostly at Tulane Medical Center and the Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Claudine was not only claiming Gypsy's current illnesses at these visits, but now that Gypsy was suffering from hearing and vision problems as well. And she's about how old? Because we probably don't know. I mean, she's probably like... 12, 13? Yeah, 12 or 13. Okay. So doctors would perform a muscle biopsy, which determined that Gypsy did not have muscular dystrophy, like Claudine insisted. Also, they made like a muscle ow. biopsy, yeah. Like that's so painful for no reason. That's awful. Oh my gosh, why would you put your child? My, I, I get that it's there's likely a mental disorder to be talked yeah. about here, but why would you put your child through that? So I mean, again, I just to- want to be clear. They said 
due to the biopsy, she did not have muscular Um, dystrophy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although Claudine was not able to secure treatment for this disorder, she was able to get Gypsy diagnosed with multiple other illnesses that she had claimed that she had. She claimed to doctors that Gypsy was having seizures every few months and was able to get a prescription for anti-seizure medication for Gypsy. Just because she said, my daughter's having seizures every three months. I mean, what are the doctors going to do? Like, no, she's not. Like, let's <laughs> you know wait I mean? around for her to have a seizure in order yeah. to know. Yeah. That's because, oh, I mean, awful. they probably don't think that a mom is going to bring in their child and say that without it being true. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> over the next few years, Gypsy would undergo several surgeries due to medical complications that Claudine would tell doctors about. And it got so far that Gypsy would actually get a feeding tube inserted as well. Into her stomach? Yes. So, Claudine was essentially like, she can't eat solid food. She needs a feeding tube. Like, she can't keep it down. Like, everything I give her, she can't even swallow it. That's torture. That's so torture. That's torture. That you're torturing your child. Yeah. It's very awful. (sighs) This is going to make me mad. I forget about this case. This is going to make me mad. In August of 2005, Hurricane Katrina devastated the New Orleans area. And as a result, Claudine and Gypsy were forced to move out of their destroyed apartment and relocate to another city with supplies set up for individuals with extra needs. When they arrived, Claudine claimed that all of Gypsy's medical records, including her birth certificate, had been destroyed in the flooding from the storm. How convenient. How convenient. A doctor from Missouri had suggested that this time that the two relocate there, and next month they were both airlifted, so September of 2005. That reminds me of that documentary, The Woman Who Wasn't There, that 9-11 oh, yeah. lady. Oh, my gosh. She claimed that she lost her husband in 9-11 and that she was there. She was one of the survivors. Such a terrible story. This, yeah, and it turned out not to be true at all, but that's the same we thing should... with the, the... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, the... I got excited. You got excited. With the Katrina thing, yeah. how convenient, right? Because mm-hmm. who's going to question that? Of course. You used a natural disaster. Yeah. It's like, no, I, of course. Well, and, that makes sense, this poor woman with yeah. this disabled daughter. And they were there. And they I were mean, they there. Were. <laughs> no, I was going to say, the documentary that you're talking about, we should do that as a mental breakdown. That would yeah. be really interesting. That would be interesting. So when they first arrived in Missouri, based on the orders of that doctor, Dee Dee Blanchard and Gypsy would live in the southwestern city of Aurora. Yep, you heard me right. <laughs> Upon this move, Claudine would actually change her name and go by what most people refer to her as today, Dee Dee. Dee Dee. She also added an E to the end of their last name, so it's like Blanchardy. It's like Blanchard. (laughs) Yeah, with an E. (laughs) Blanchardy. Yeah, she did it to both of their, like, last names. Okay. So on every new paperwork, she's adding an E to their last names, and her her name is now Dee Dee. Instead of legally changing her name. Nobody would give a shit. Nobody would give a shit. So we are going to be referring to Claudine thus far, and we're going to now refer to her as Dee Dee for the rest of the story. So, while living here in Missouri, Gypsy would be honored by the Oli Foundation, which advocated for the rights of feeding tube recipients. She would be awarded their Child of the Year Award in 2007. Gypsy was. Gypsy. Mm -hmm. The attention that was growing due to Gypsy's medical problems was something that Dee Dee really seemed to revel in, and around this time, she would actually begin reaching out to media outlets and other organizations that would be willing to help them. Oh my gosh, you know who this reminds me of? Not Octomom, because I don't think that Octomom sought out media. I mean, after a while, I think she did. But Kate, do you remember Kate and John? Or John and mm-hmm. Kate plus eight yeah. or whatever? God, they were like that, right? I think so. They're just like so media obsessed. Yeah. They're like, listen to us, pay attention to us, give us free stuff. Even though like our, yeah, give us free stuff, people. Ugh. 
So, again, reaching out to media, the story of a single mother and her extremely ill child who were displaced due to Hurricane Katrina was a huge story. <laughs> yeah, of course. That was all over the news, and multiple people began reaching out to assist the two. Yeah. The following year, in 2008, Habitat for Humanity would build the two a small home that included a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub. How does she feel... I'm how sure she was, like, hot let, tub for physical therapy. That's probably what she said. How do you let people do that, do that for, for you? And you're lying. She's a liar. She's a, you know, like a liar. I'm pretty sure everyone's figured it out by now that Dee Dee is a liar. Yeah. Okay, that's not a secret Well, anymore. she, again. She's ill. She's, she's mentally ill. She is mentally ill. She has a disorder. But the fact that it continues. Oh, yeah. And she's raised her daughter to be this way. Yep. And gypsy is brainwashed absolutely it's just absolutely brainwashed it's it's so awful so on top of all the free stuff that they were getting the two would also be offered free flights to and from a hospital in kansas city free trips to walt disney world and even free backstage passes to see miranda lambert concerts via the make-a-wish foundation by make-a-wish this is extreme this is extreme Miranda Lambert was actually noted as sending nearly $6,000 to Dee Dee in order to further help with Gypsy's medical bills. Miranda, if you're listening, <laughs> you're a kind lady. Oh, you're a kind lady, girl. I'm sure you're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's that's incredible. So, yeah. And, On... you, and you're just a kid. I'm sorry, I didn't mean okay. to interrupt you. You're just a kid, and you are assuming that this is happening because... You're good people. And you're sick. And you're sick. Your mom's telling you that you're sick. And you're like, oh my gosh, all these people are being so nice and they're helping me because I'm sick. Like, there's no way she thinks that she's getting the attention because her mom's a good person and she's a good person. She's like, they're they're helping me because I need help. Because that's what she's being being taught, you know? And no one else is the wiser, you know? Yeah. It's it's only Dee Dee that knows the truth, you know? 100% of the time, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. being given things all the time. And she had to have been, like, keeping it up at home as well, like, when it was just the two of them, because that could very easily have changed, you know, as older Gypsy gets, you know, the more she'd be able to recognize Recognize things, you know? What's normal and what's not. Exactly. Hmm. So on top of all of this, Rod was also continuing to make his child support payments, which were totaling around $1,200 at this time. $1,200 $1,200 a month. A month? Yes. Okay. And I looked it up. This, it's about the same as, I mean, it's like 1400 today. So yeah. So it wasn't really that long ago. Rod would also frequently send Gypsy gifts and call her on her birthdays. On July 27th, 2009, Rod called Dee Dee asking to speak with Gypsy and wish her a happy birthday. Although she was turning 18 that day, Dee Dee asked Rod not to mention Gypsy's real age, as Gypsy believed that she was just 14 at this time. What? She literally was like, hey, you can say happy birthday to Gypsy, but don't you fucking say that she's 18 because she thinks she's 14. Don't say that to her. Don't say that she's 18. You're going to hurt her feelings. Literally. Ugh. Ugh. Has she not, I mean, the obvious question, has she not had a menstrual cycle? I don't know, actually. I didn't, I never read anything about that. Because in the show, I think that they, like, hinted that... She had started, I can't remember, because I only saw it once. Yeah. But that they had hinted that she did start some type of a cycle, or that because of the drugs Dee Dee was feeding her, maybe that was the reason it was suppressed. Got it. But yeah, I'm not exactly any... sure. Yeah. Honestly, with, like, being in a wheelchair and stuff, Dee Dee probably handled, like, most of what was going on yeah. down there, because she thinks she can't walk, like, she probably is not even letting her, like, maybe do yeah. anything, you know, like that. I, I'm not sure. You can definitely take 
medications that suppress that. I mean, birth control. You yeah, know, there for are sure. certain types of birth control. God, that's that, so awful. But then again, she would have to be taking her presumed 14 year old daughter to go get this. You yeah, know, that's true. To get that done. I'm not exactly sure. I really didn't read anything about that, but yeah. I'm sure that Dee Dee had some sort of way to explain it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So again, uh, she asked Rod not to mention that Gypsy was actually 18. So Rod and his second wife, now married, began to be worried that Gypsy was being treated like poorly at home with Dee Dee. Yeah. And they would actually often try to make plans to come visit. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's like sternum. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that was really loud, loud that time. I thought that was your back. No. I think anybody that knows me personally knows that I can I can pop my sternum every once in a while. So I, I was just leaning back accident. in my chair. Huh? I do it on accident. Oh, really? Like, all the time, yeah. Yeah. So, again, Rod and his uh, now new wife have been trying to make plans to come visit, but every time they were getting close to the visit date, Dee Dee would just change their plans last minute or tell them that, oh, something just came up. No, can't do it today. Oh, sorry. can't do it today. Medical appointments. Sorry. So he has no custody agreement, I'm assuming, with her. I don't think so, because she essentially is, like, keeping Gypsy from him. Yeah. And I guarantee you she's telling Gypsy, like, your dad's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, I just want to see my fucking daughter. He never loved you. Yeah. Ugh. So there are a variety of different things that she would come up with to avoid Rod and his wife coming to visit. But on the other side of things, Dee Dee would frequently tell neighbors that Gypsy's father was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic <gasps> who had never been able to come to terms with his daughter's health conditions and in turn was not sending them any money to assist. Even though he was sending her $1,200 oh, yeah. a oh, month. Yeah. She's like, he's a drug addict, he's a narcissist, he can't, he can't accept that his daughter's very ill and he's not giving me fucking money because he doesn't believe it. Oh, she guaranteed that Gypsy would never run to him for anything. Absolutely. That's, that's her entire goal. That's so fucked up. Ima- like, imagine the hatred that, like, after the fact, like, finding out that, like, your dad's actually a fucking nice dude. A nice you know? guy that really wanted to spend more time with you. Yeah. So neighbors at this time didn't know any better than to believe the things that Dee Dee was telling them, obviously. Mm-hmm. In fact, when they met young Gypsy, she was missing teeth, talking in a very high, childlike voice wearing big-rimmed glasses, and all around seemed like an underdeveloped kid. She seemed much younger than she actually was. Yeah. And, of course, the tea thing is malnourishment and, you know, nutrition, lack of hygiene. I had heard that even uh, on that Mommy Dearest documentary mm-hmm. that she had, that Dee Dee had insisted some of her teeth be pulled. Oh, my gosh. Even though they did. were s- semi-healthy teeth. <sighs> On top of all of these things, the appearance of Gypsy, when the two would leave the house, Dee Dee would bring along an oxygen take, tank and feeding tube for Gypsy, so neighbors didn't think anything was amiss when they heard Dee Dee's story about her medical conditions. Yeah. They were like, oh, she's very clearly ill, you know? Um, j- talk about Gypsy, sorry. On top of all the conditions that she had, Dee Dee was known to have told Gypsy that all the medications she was on were going to cause her hair to fall out. So she said it was best to just go ahead and shave it off before it fell out. She's not, she doesn't have chemo, she's not taking chemo pills. Well, she eventually tells her that she has cancer as well. She told her that she had cancer. She told I'm her pretty what, she sure. had leukemia or something? I think so, yeah. So she's like, your hair's gonna fall out, like, we might as well just shave it. So she would always, like, have a hat on because How she didn't in- have any hair. I'm sorry, but, like, that does something, especially to, you know, not to discredit anybody's experience... But, you know, I don't know. I guess just, like, being femme, your identity can is, like, yeah. through your hair sometimes. Absolutely. And that's got to be really hard to be a young woman and not, ex- again, not to discredit anybody else, anybody else's gender experience yeah. or anything like that. But just for, in this specific case, she's a developing young woman and 
now she can't even feel pretty. Yeah, and you know? honestly, like, how fucked up is it that, like, you know, Dee Dee, some people don't have a fucking choice in their hair falling out, and yeah. you're literally making your daughter do that because you're lying to her? Like, right. fuck you. Yeah. Like, in this moment, fuck you. It's true. Like, that makes me so mad. Dee Dee would actually tell neighbors and friends, however, that Gypsy was undergoing chemo, and that's why she had suffered her hair loss. So she told the neighbors and friends, and I'm sure that she told Gypsy as well. That's awful. Ugh, I know, I know, this, this is so infuriating. <sighs> as Gypsy was getting older, Dee Dee would increase the ways that she would control her daughter. While in public, Dee Dee would always hold Gypsy's hand, and anytime somebody would suggest that Gypsy was not as sick as she seemed, or that she seemed older than they were saying, Dee Dee would squeeze Gypsy's hand tightly to signal her not to talk. She's like, I got this. Don't say anything. Although she seemed very sweet to neighbors and strangers, while the two were alone, Dee Dee was known as hitting Gypsy with an open hand and a coat hanger. Inside the home? Mm-hmm, like when they were alone. Oh my god. Dee Dee would continue to give Gypsy certain medications that she did not need and lie about specific illnesses that she did not have. She's probably wreaking havoc on this girl's body and, like, yeah. not just keeping her sick, like, as in constantly coaching her mentally, mm-hmm. but a lot of those medications... They'll fuck up your kidneys, oh, your yeah. liver. Absolutely. That's just... And she's taking them for no fucking reason. Like... not, And she's probably losing a lot of weight because her body's not having to work to 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 um, keep any of that nutrients, yeah. right? Because she's being fed through a tube. And so she's in a wheelchair, so she's not getting any, any sort of exercise, exercise or, or any yeah. of that. Ugh. I know. And she does, like, in the photos, she looks gaunt and she looks pale. She yeah. doesn't look like a healthy color. So get this, this is fucked up. Before most of their frequent doctor's visits, Dee Dee would put a topical anesthetic on Gypsy's gums in order to make her drool while they were at the doctor's. Due to this extreme drooling, doctors would inject Botox into Gypsy's saliva ga- glands and then eventually remove them altogether to control it. What? They removed her salivary glands because they thought that she had an intense drooling problem. Because Dee Dee numbed her fucking mouth before they went to the doctor. Isn't that so fucked up? You, this is torture. This is literal they were, torture. You can... No wonder her... Okay, at this point, and I'm not trying to be How rude, no wonder eat? her teeth were so bad, because she can't... She doesn't have any fucking saliva anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, she doesn't need it to eat, because she has a feeding tube. It's <sighs> fucking nauseating. Like, it's so gross. How is this... I'm, I understand that she's apparently a master of manipulation, but I don't understand how that's... I guess the doctors are just doing what they think is right. They're doing it's... what they think is right, and Gypsy's not saying that that's not happening. That it's and not clearly happening. she's old enough at this point to tell doctors, like, hey, like, that's not happening. And she won't, because she's brainwashed. So, again, just being able... Not being able to produce saliva obviously was harming Gypsy's mouth, as well as the anti-seizure meds. And due to these things combined, the few teeth that she had left actually fell out as well. So she pretty much had her teeth replaced by a bridge at this point because she didn't, like, have any teeth left. I know, it, like, breaks my fucking heart. This is so sad. Around this time as well, tubes were implanted into Gypsy's ears to control her, quote, many ear infections. Like, she's literally using her daughter as, like, a fucking cadaver. She doesn't see her as a person. She sees her as an object. Yeah. She's, like, literally uses Gypsy as an object to feed her own addiction to attention yeah absolutely and that's so gross if you want to just call it call it like it is it's just munchausen by proxy yeah absolutely so we were just kind of talking about like how people and doctors 
are just performing all these procedures and not really questioning anything. Yeah. So some were suspicious, but didn't have enough suspicions to report anything. Until a pediatric neurologist saw Gypsy Rose in Springfield, Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein was seen seeing Gypsy when he became intrigued about her muscular dystrophy diagnosis. He took it upon himself to order additional MRI tests and a blood test, and these concluded with no abnormalities. Again, she doesn't really have the diagnosis, but Dee Dee is claiming that she does, and her medical records were lost, remember? Were lost. Upon a follow-up visit with Dee Dee and Gypsy, after seeing Gypsy hold her own weight while standing up, Dr. Flasterstein said to Dee Dee, quote, I don't see any reason why she doesn't walk, end quote. I bet Dee Dee loved that. I bet she was just over the moon. Yeah. Her child is a is a miracle child who has just oh. been cured. Yeah, absolutely. You know, immediately. Dee Dee began to explain that Gypsy had gotten the diagnosis back in New Orleans and that she was sure that Gypsy had the disease. Still having his suspicions. <laughs> She's like, my bad. I yeah, just right. assumed. Dr. Flasterstein would contact Gypsy's past doctors in Louisiana, who told him that Gypsy's original biopsy also had come back negative. Hmm. No medical records. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Flasterstein was also very alarmed by the news that Gypsy did not have this diagnosis, and also shocked to find out that Dee Dee had lied about all of Gypsy's medical records being destroyed in the flood. Because, yeah, maybe all her medical records were destroyed. That doesn't mean the doctors don't have medical records. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, uh, yeah, this, they had computers. They're legally so... required to keep them for 10 years, yeah. even if you're not a patient anymore. <laughs> so, it's weird. So, it was at this point that Dee Dee became suspected of suffering from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. So if you've not heard our mental breakdown of this topic, Munchausen symptom by proxy, or now known as fictitious disorder, it's a disorder in which a caretaker intentionally makes their patient sick in order to maintain sympathy from others, financial gain, or the idea that they are needed to keep that person safe. This disorder has been classified as a horrific form of abuse and mostly happens with caretakers of children, the elderly, or people with extra needs. Unfortunately for Dr. Flasterstein and Gypsy, Dee Dee was somehow able to get a hold of the notes from the doctor and saw this suspicion written down in Gypsy's file. <gasps> so I guess he, like, left the room or something, and she kind of looked over or looked or whatever and saw, like, possible Munchauser fictitious disorder. Classic Dee Dee. Of course. So she and Gypsy would leave the doctor's office and never return. She's just out in the ether. The just doctor out. has no idea where she fucking lives, which is probably totally untrue. But at the same time, if there's no, you know a probable cause, I guess, to go track them down. Then Yeah. So get this. Dr. Flasterstein actually would not follow up with his reports of his suspicions of Dee Dee. Mm. He would later state that the other employees at his work encouraged him to treat the two with, quote, golden gloves, which as far as I can tell means, like, treat them like royalty and, like, be yeah. very careful. I'm not sure if they knew, like, Dee Dee and Gypsy from the media or if she had, like, made a big deal about something in the past and they thought it was, like, more trouble than it was worth to, like, kind of question her. I wonder if it's not, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna call them out, you better have proof. Because that's yeah. a very severe accusation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I really don't know, like, exactly why the people, like, the employees told them that. But clearly something had happened in the past to mm -hmm. make them th say, like, listen, you gotta be really careful, like, around, like, either the situation itself or the people, like, Dee Dee and Gypsy. Mm -hmm. Especially Dee Dee. And that's a good point that you made, made because Dr. Flasterstein also stated that he didn't even think he would be believed by authorities anyway because they didn't really have a lot of medical records available. Yeah. So that kind of proved his point. It's just all, like, hearsay, yeah. essentially. In 2009, however, police did receive an anonymous call stating that Dee Dee was using different names and birth dates for herself and her daughter. 
Oh, she was co- trying to make her. Sorry, she was trying to make herself younger too. Yeah, exactly. She's like, <laughs> if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah. This caller also suggested to police that Gypsy was in much better health than she seemed on the outside. Due to this anonymous call, police would visit the Blanchard home to do a wellness check. Mm. When questioned by police about the fake names and birth dates used by Dee Dee, she explained to police that she was just trying to make sure that her abusive alcoholic ex-husband Rod could not find them, and she was changing their names to avoid him showing up. Okay, sounds reasonable. It's a fucking annoying, like, clever idea to, like, use that. Because she's already told all the neighbors that, so you well, might as like, well, like, just say that to police. Why don't you just legally change it, though? Like, yeah. why are you, like, falsifying? So police would actually not follow up with Rod about the situation. and <laughs> they, they were would... like, hey, are you an alcoholic? Yeah. <laughs> they would close the case, stating that Gypsy was, quote, genuinely mentally disabled, end quote. Like, they were like, oh, it must be true. Like, the ex-husband must be abusive, and she must be mentally disabled. Checks out. Yeah. Instead of having, an, like, an actual doctor's opinion. But then again, I'm not saying that they did right or wrong. I'm just saying, imagine their, like, cautiousness, and they're like, oh, shit, like, what if we follow up with the husband and all this is true, and then he finds out, because we're Where from yeah. Aurora Police, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, it's just a hard situation. Ugh. So, Dee Dee was also known to have forged a new birth certificate for Gypsy, because remember, the other one's lost. This actually showed her birth year to be 1995 rather than 1991. Okay, so she's Four still, years younger yeah, than Yeah, okay. At one point during a doctor's visit, Gypsy caught a glimpse of her paperwork that was holding her original birth certificate, stating 1991 as her birth year. I guess it was like a copy. She would bring this up to Dee Dee, who would brush it off as a misprint. It was just a misprint. It was just a typo. Yeah. On my fucking birth certificate. It's, it's a like, typo. Yeah, it's like 2020, you know, like COVID. Like, that whole year didn't exist. Yeah. 1991 didn't exist. Pretty much so. happening. Yeah, we went straight from 1990 to 1992. So. Yeah. Whether it's your favorite browser or by app, listening to audiobooks with Audiobooks Now makes it even easier and more affordable to enjoy your favorite books. Audiobooks Now offers up their club price plan, which includes 50% off your first purchase each month and additional offers after your first purchase. Click the link in the show notes below to receive two months free and just $4.99 for each additional month. Get audiobooks you love for less with Audiobooks Now. Start your free trial today. Starting in 2001, Dee Dee would take Gypsy to science fiction and fantasy conventions, where Gypsy was able to dress up and mingle with people with similar interests. Mm. Her costumes were so cute. I know. I remember seeing those photos. At one of these events in 2011, Dee Dee and Gypsy became separated, and the details are not extremely clear on how it happened, but ultimately Dee Dee would find Gypsy in a hotel room with a man whom she claimed to have met online. So they had apparently, like, been talking, Gypsy had her own computer, they had been talking, and he was like, I'm going to be there, too. And she's like, let's meet up. I don't know if it was a sexual curiosity or, a, or just, just a talk friendship. to somebody other than my fucking mom right? for once, you know? <laughs> Have an actual friend. Yeah. Aww. So Dee Dee would produce a false false birth certificate telling the man that Gypsy was underage and threatening to call the police on him if he did not leave immediately. Do you think that she told the guy, like, well, my mom likes to pretend I'm 14 or 15, but I'm actually 18 or 19? I don't know, actually. I don't really think she was 100% sure how old she was, because she saw the 
the doctor's note that said she was 91, but yeah. that's the only other evidence conflicting what her mom's been telling her. So I really don't know if she knew that she was, at this point, that she again, was older. But again, like, I, I keep going back to that. I know we talked about the menstrual cycle thing, but even just developing as a young person exactly. in general, going through pu- puberty and stuff, you, you have, have to know. To know like, or at least think. Or you're at least a little older than what you're, you've been told, yeah. you know? You know, and Dee Dee pretty much, like, brainwashed Gypsy, like we've been saying, into her saying, like, yes, mom, to, like, everything. Yeah. So, questioning Dee Dee about her age was probably, like, way off the fucking table. Right. But I wonder, like I said, I wonder if Gypsy knew. Like, I'm sure she knew. In some, like, shape or form. Yeah. She had to have known this doesn't feel right This doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So, after telling the guy to leave the hotel room, Dee Dee would then turn her attention to Gypsy. She would smash Gypsy's computer with a hammer and threaten to do the same thing to Gypsy's fingers if she ever tried to escape again. Escape? Escape? Ugh, So, Dee Dee thought that that was Gypsy trying to say, like, save me, like, get me the fuck out of here. But I really don't think it was. I, I really think, think so it was either. just a curiosity thing. Like, yeah. Like, with a, talking to a boy, you know? Right. <sighs> Following this incident, Dee Dee would also handcuff Gypsy to her bed for two weeks. What? And put her on a leash as well. Yeah. Like, if you're going to try to escape, like, I'm actually going to hold you captive. Oh my gosh, that's horrid. She would also begin to brainwash Gypsy by telling her often that she filed a police report stating that Gypsy was mentally unstable. So if Gypsy ever went to the police for help, they would not believe her because they think that she's mentally ill. Yeah. This is this is her mother. Her mom. Like the only the one person that you're supposed to like be able to fully trust. Well, the only person that she is able to trust. Yeah. Probably well, the only person that thinks. she can talk to. That's so, so sad. And you know that Gypsy was probably in a situation where she was, like you said earlier, yes, mom, yes, mom. Yeah. Like, if that's what mom thinks, then I guess I must be mentally unstable. Okay, I guess if that's what mom thinks is best, I guess handcuff me to a post. Yeah, but you're right. She is getting older, and she's not as gullible, if you will, as she once was. So she's definitely starting to kind of catch on to in... in consistencies in, like, Dee Dee's story. Yeah. Especially, like, when it's just the two of them at home. Right. So, although her computer had been destroyed, Gypsy would actually continue to sneakily use her mother's computer at home when Dee Dee went to bed. They had a home computer. Probably from um, charity. (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny, but, you know, she just steals things. During this time, Gypsy was frequently seeking a romantic connection online with various people, and it was in 2012 or 13, it wasn't clear, that she would meet a man by the name of Nicholas Godijan on ChristianDatingForFree.com. ChristianDatingForFree. <laughs> so, obviously Everyone's we so talked creative. about... <laughs> Everybody's so creative. Both of their storylines, and now they meet, and we're going to go from there. <sighs> so, Nick and Gypsy would begin messaging back and forth, relating on things from their childhoods, and believing that they had found, quote, true love after only a few conversations. Oh, Gypsy opened up about her being in a wheelchair and the fact that her mother was very controlling, but found it to be extremely sweet that Nick found her, quote, pure. Aww. The relationship would deepen, and the two decided to make private Facebook accounts where they could each send each other messages when they had access. While Nicholas had his own previous criminal charges for the masturbation, and And Dee Dee was- At a McDonald's, let's not forget. At a McDonald's. And Dee Dee was forcing unneeded medical procedures on her child- Gypsy was not without fault during this time. 
After feeling closer than ever with Nick, she would disclose to him that there was, in fact, nothing wrong with her. She did not need a wheelchair and that her mother was forcing her to use one. So she knew. I think she knew towards this part. I yeah. don't think she knew for much, for long before she right. met Nick. I mm-hmm. really think just because she was getting older, like you said, I think she kind of figured it out. Yeah. And you get older, you maybe you lean too far forward on your wheelchair and you put weight on your feet and you're like, oh shit hold on. And yeah. then you try to stand up and you can, and you're like, oh shit, hold on. You know what I mean? Like, I she's think more, okay. she's more aware of her, phys- like physically aware than she ever has been. I'm not going to try to equate it in the same sense, but I think that everybody, everybody, you know, has a parental figure of some kind that they know that they are a particular way, right? Maybe Gypsy thought this is just the way that mom wants it. It doesn't necessarily have to be my reality, but this is the way that she prefers the house. This is the way that she prefers I dress. This is the way that she prefers I use a wheelchair or whatever. This is just her preference, and I'm being a good child by abiding by these things. That's a good point. And not only that, but she clearly, you know, anytime that Gypsy's gone against that, it's been worse. So you might as well just, you know, stay in line and do what mom wants to do. So she could have known for a little bit. Or even a year or something. Yeah. And then just this is the first time that she's admitting it to somebody else. I completely agree. I think that's a really good point. Because she also admitted to Nick that she was able to walk, but nobody else knew this and he needed to keep it a secret. Ugh. Ugh. I know. Ugh. Being able to share this secret with Nick made Gypsy be able to have a relationship like she'd never have before. had before. Nick seemed like a very confident, experienced man who was domineering and intense and everything Gypsy thought she liked in a man... Because, again, she doesn't really know, right? She hasn't really had a relationship. On top of all of the things that Nick was portraying himself to be, he was also extremely adamant that the two meet in person very soon. So you think he wasn't being his authentic self? I think that he... I'm not sure, actually. I was going to say something, and I'm like, wait, I don't know. He claims to have DID at some point, and I'll talk about that, but he almost says, like, he has a really nice and amazing side, which is Nick, and then he has a dark and, like, demonist side, and he has a name for him, but I didn't put him in here, I don't think. (laughs) But either way, I think that he's overly doting because he's never really had another relationship, and it's not bad to be overly doting, but I think he thinks, like, being overly doting and, like, really intense, like, sexually is, like, what girls want. I see. Well, and especially in her situation when she's already saying, my mom forces me to do these things, and I bet he feels kind of like a knight, a knight in shining armor. Exactly. Like, I'm going to scoop you up and take you away. Exactly. And not to mention, he mentions himself a lot that his social skills are not fully developed because of his autism, or his Asperger's, uh, excuse me, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that is probably something as well that's uh, affecting the, you know, over kind of stimulation of verbiage. I don't know. Yeah, so maybe he's not necessarily portraying a character, but maybe he's portraying an example that he's seen before, like, in maybe in movies or television. Exactly. I know he watches porn because he got caught That's true, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so in 2014, (laughs) was that funny? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Help me, stepbrother. Oh my gosh. So in 2014, Gypsy would confide in her 23-year-old neighbor, Aaliyah Woodman, Woodmancy, I think is how you say it. Woodmancy? Woodmancy? That her and Nick had discussed meeting in person and even eloping together. Oh. 
She opened up about her and Nick's talks, including the names of their future children, and the fact that Gypsy had five separate Facebook accounts to keep in contact, like all with different names. Whoa. She would also mention that their conversations involved talk of BDSM, which she thought at the time was something she was really interested in. Gypsy, however, would later admit that Nick was the one who almost convinced her to talk about those things with him, as it was, like, more of his thing, like, the BDSM thing. Well, you said that he kind of internet spiraled, so I'm sure, you know, porn was probably a big thing of that. He probably saw a lot of shit. He was like, hmm, nothing's interesting, you know? They seem like they're having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) They look like they're enjoying themselves. (laughs) (laughs) So Aaliyah, the neighbor, was very concerned, as she believed that Gypsy was many years younger than her, although they were really close in age. And she told Gypsy that she was worried that she was being taken advantage of by an online sexual predator. Like an older person. Yes. Hmm. She would later state about Gypsy's plans with Nick as, quote, fantasies and dreams and nothing like this would ever really take place, end Hmm. quote. She was really worried about Gypsy. She was worried, but she she wasn't overly concerned. Or she thought that it was so, like, it was too good to be true, it was too extreme, that this is going to escalate in a way that's not okay. I think both. I think she was like, Gypsy, like... If it's too good to be true, it probably is, and this Mm. guy's probably taking advantage of you. Like, I don't think it's a smart idea to try to meet him in person. I see. So Gypsy would not take Aaliyah's advice for long, and her and Nick would actually make plans to meet in 2015. So their plan was to both go to the same movie theater at the same time and dress up in costume for the movie, sci-fi movie. They would just happen to bump into each other and strike up a conversation about their costumes. And after becoming acquaintances, they would watch the movie together, and hopefully he would be able to talk to Dee Dee at some point during all this. Okay, so this is like, we're coming up with this elaborate ruse to get, to look like this is the first time we're ever meeting. Yes. Clearly can't come clean to mom about the fact they've been talking. Yes. Okay. So their plan actually worked, and they were able to run into each other at the movie theater. However, instead of simply going in to watch the movie, Gypsy took the opportunity to take a bathroom break and insinuated that Nick meet her in there. He would, and the two would engage in intercourse in the bathroom. What? A meeting that Dee Dee would immediately find out about when (gasps) she realized that Gypsy was taking way too long in the bathroom. Did you know that? (laughs) I mean, I feel like I did, but that last thing you just said about that she's taking too long in the bathroom, it's like, well... I mean, you're the one that's portraying her as a disabled person. Well, yeah, I, I put that part taking too long. Like, she didn't say that. But, like, well, I, would I just mean, assume that's why she was like, hmm, let me go check on her. Like, I better go, you know, look. And I'm in no way going to talk about speed here, okay? But I'm just assuming it might not take that long. <laughs> I mean, he's very excited to see her, so it might not have been that long. But after discovering this, Dee Dee would forbid Gypsy to ever see Nick again. Oh, so she, like, straight up knew, like, she knew. Like, she knew that they were in there together. I don't know how much she saw or how much she actually knew, but she knew that they went to the bathroom together. Maybe waited outside the bathroom and then they came. Yeah. And it was very clearly a very similar situation to the hotel incident in Dee Dee's eyes, right? Yeah. So after the incident, the abuse Dee Dee inflicted on Gypsy would continue to get worse, and Gypsy would actually still secretly be in contact with Nick via social media. So, of course, the abuse increasing after the movie theater situation and her current situation at home just, like, never being good. Gypsy ultimately thought that the only way to get out of her situation was if her mother was no longer in it. So Gypsy stated about the beginning of this conversation, quote, Me and Nick were talking one night, and he said that he would do anything to protect me. And I asked him, anything? And he said, yeah. From anybody, I asked? He said, yeah. Even my mom, I asked? He said yes. And that's when this plan kind of started to develop into a murder plot. End quote. I I can't imagine feeling 
Well, first of all, like, I can't imagine, you know, even that being a thought in my head. Yeah. But to feel so cornered and so defenseless that, you know, just backed up into a corner that you have to, like, plan to murder someone. Well, it literally reminds me of, like, Eric and Lyle Menendez. Yeah. Like, the only way out of this situation is to kill the person that's causing the situation. Yeah. And it's such, it has to be such a helpless feeling. Yeah. And, like, what do I do? Like, do I continue to live in this hell? Or do I stand up for myself and do something about it? Right. Because in reality, I'm not going to speak for any of the listeners or even you. I'll speak for myself. If it's my life against yours, it's mine every time. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably how she felt. Right. Like, at this point, it's gone on for far too long. I know the truth. And I know that this is abuse. And she's never going to let me go. Exactly. She's never going to let me go. And she's never going to let me blow this up, ever. Exactly. Something has had to give in her mind. Yeah. So after a little while of talking back and forth, Nick decided that he would be the one to kill Dee Dee for Gypsy in order to get Gypsy out of her situation at home. On June 12th, 2015, Nick would arrive in Springfield while Dee Dee and Gypsy were at a doctor's appointment. He would hang around the area and wait until nightfall, and then he would make his way to the Blanchard home. With Dee Dee asleep, Nick would sneak into the home with the help of Gypsy, who provided him with duct tape, gloves, and a serrated knife. Oh, she, like, handed the stuff to him? Oh, yes. so she already, she was, she's yeah. an accomplice. Yeah. Not just speaking, but mm-hmm. is an accomplice. Nick would make his way to Dee Dee's bedroom, shown to him by Gypsy, and Gypsy would have taken it upon herself to hide in the bathroom. She was actually noted as, like, covering her ears so that she didn't have to really hear anything. Ugh. Ugh. I know. Ugh. Ugh. Heaps. Oof. Nick would sneak into Dee Dee's room and begin stabbing her in the back, hitting her a total of 17 times. That's not even, like, a just a quick... That's, like, overkill. That is overkill. 17 is a lot. That's a lot of times. Nick would later claim that Dee Dee actually woke up during this attack, stating, quote, She ended up asking me, who are you? I said, I'm your effing nightmare. End quote. Like, cringy as fuck, but also, like, that's scary. <laughs> Edge Lord. <laughs> Jeez. God, that's uh. so fucking scary. After Nick was sure that Dee Dee was deceased, he would go grab Gypsy from the bathroom and take her into her bedroom where the two proceeded to engage in sex. <gasps> like, right after? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's not... That's... Yeah. That's something else. That's something tangled up in there. One source actually stated that Gypsy was already undressed before the murder took place. I'm not really exactly sure the timeline, but Nick said that the reason he was like, we have to have sex right fucking now, is because he had, like, cut himself, I guess, in the process of the murder, and she, like, wiped his, like, the blood off his finger, and apparently he got, like, super aroused because of it. They said it was, like, one of his (laughs) sexual fantasies. And I'm like, your mommy helping you put a bandit on a cut is one of your sexual <laughs> fantasies. Like, what? Anyway. Yeah. that That's, like I said, that's tangled up in, in something else. Something that's else, That's not just, sure. like, oh, thankfully we can be together now. No, yeah. It's Let's like, make love. It's intense, yeah. <laughs> that's something else. Like, in the next fucking room, like, ugh, I can't even imagine that. That's horrific. That's horrific. Nick would later state about this murder, quote, The very second I put my foot down, I had one of those moments that you might have only had once in your lifetime. It was an angel and the devil. First, the angel spoke. It actually said, take her and run. And then you had the other part of me, that darn devil. What he... (laughs) Cringe. Go on. Quote, what he ended up telling me was, this bitch is dead. I got so darn enraged that something inside of me clicked. 
Unfortunately, that part of me wanted to come out for a very long time, and the very first opportunity I got, it didn't waste any time. The dark shadow part of me that really is triggered by anger, once that anger clicks, I see red, end quote. So this is something that he's maybe thought of before. Maybe thought of before. Or has had known that he has capabilities of being enraged that badly. I think so, yeah. So, although he commented on the fact that he may have multiple personalities or a DID, Nick also stated about the murder, quote, I would have done it again. I might have done it differently, but I would have done it again. I couldn't see Gypsy suffer anymore, end quote. Which is, like, really sad, but, like... Yeah, because then it's, I mean, it's essentially victim blaming, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, really We've, I mean, you just told us the history of it. It's, it's very, it's very messy. This it's, whole situation is very hard. Like, it's very yeah. difficult to kind of pinpoint, like, who's the the real victim here. Yeah. I think both of them are, honestly. I think, yeah. I think all of them are, honestly. Yeah. All, all of them. All three yeah, of them. Three even of them. him. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, in a, in a way, and I don't know what Gypsy's participation in the conversations that they had, but to, to really want to go murder someone for someone that you love... There has to be some kind of manipulation there. I'm sorry. I think so, yeah. You know, but and all she was shown her whole life was manipulation. It's so true. it's a, it's a wonder that to... she would be good at it. Yeah, it's true. It's not a wonder. I mean, she's a pro. So the duo, being Gypsy and Nick, were so engulfed in Facebook during this time as well, their immediate thought was to post on Gypsy and Dee Dee's shared Facebook account, quote, that bitch is dead, end quote. On, on Dee Dee's Facebook Dee Dee account. and Gypsy's joint account they posted this as a status it makes sense they would have have a joint joint account account, right yeah but on both theirs it said that bitch is dead yes okay so gypsy allegedly was saying like i didn't want her to not be found so i think like posting something like that like would have raised concern a little bit but also gave us like time to like get away yeah so she's like, I want someone to find her, but, like, I don't want to be there when it happens. And I also want to make it ominous sounding so that it sounds like it's not Someone, me. yeah, hacked. So after posting this, Nick and Gypsy took $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had collected from Rod's child support. The two would then leave the home and head to a hotel in Springfield where they stayed for a few days while planning their next move. So obviously the Facebook post concerned some people who would phone the home and try to get a hold of either Gypsy or Dee Dee, but probably just Dee Dee because Gypsy probably didn't have a phone. She wasn't allowed. Several friends and neighbors actually went to the home on multiple occasions, but knowing that it was not unusual for the two to leave the last minute for out-of-town doctor's appointments, they didn't really think much of the home being seemingly unoccupied. However, with Dee Dee's car in the driveway, neighbors and friends gathered in order to phone 911 for at least a wellness check. I was going to ask, though, so how did they get away? Because Nick drove, so they were driving Nick's car. I guess car. so, yeah. Okay. They just went in his car. Okay. Meanwhile, at the motel, Nick and Gypsy were running errands to get some stuff together, And in the multiple days they were planning, they were caught on security cameras at several different stores. Gypsy would later state that at this point, she really believed that the two had managed to get away with their crime. Yeah. Well, they're in love. They're not geniuses. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) what is it, Bonnie and Clyde kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Or the fucking Ken and Barbie, whatever, killers. Mm -hmm. She thought that if if and when her mother's body was discovered, it would look like she had been kidnapped. Gypsy, Gypsy. And she would be able to blame the crime on another perpetrator. Like, oh, they killed my mom and they took me, you know? Yeah. She stated, quote, We thought we would never get caught. I felt like this is a fairy tale and I was going to be the princess that got rescued. But what started as a fairy tale ended as a horror movie. End well, quote. Well, that's the thing. Is like, she's like, oh, I thought this was going to be a fairy tale. But it's like, but like, you're like, 
you helped kill your kill your mom. That's not a like, fucking that's fairy not a fairy tale. tale. Well, shit. Have you ever seen fucking Tangled? <laughs> Does mother go? Oh yeah. Well, she doesn't really die. She just turns it back into ash. <laughs> she was already ancient. But the <laughs> fact that she still—that's what I was just wrote. Actually, she still thinks that this started as a fairy tale is wild. Like yeah. The murder plot was what started this. Like, that's a fairy tale. I think that's funny. We had the same thought. Like, I wrote that down. I was like, what? Well, I think that maybe she thought, like, just the communication online and stuff like that. And then even, like... Scandalous. Yeah. You know, that that would be... That's romantic, you know, type of a thing. And And it's really like a knight in shining armor kind of thing. Yeah. And who knows how many times they actually talked about this. It's not like they talked about it once and he's like, I'll be right over, you know? Yeah, that's true. They probably talked about it a few times. I completely agree. Um, so get this. You said they're not geniuses. The two would actually mail the murder weapon weapon, <laughs> weapon back to Nick's home in Wisconsin in order to avoid being caught with it. But they mailed it to his house. Like, you couldn't have mailed it to a random address? Like, yeah. was, you could have just changed one number and it would have gone to It would have gone to a different address. But then that person would have picked it up. That's Why wouldn't true. you just discard it? Because he wanted to keep it. Of course he fucking did. I, he probably wanted to keep the murder weapon, which is even grosser. After this, they boarded a bus back to his home as well, so they were going to go to Nick's house. Oh, okay, so he didn't drive. It was a bunch of Oh, buses. yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. Several witnesses saw the two on their journey back to Wisconsin and stated that Gypsy was wearing a blonde wig and walking all on her own. <laughs> you said walking, and I forgot about what we were talking about for a second, and then I thought you were going to say on all fours, and it just <laughs> breaks out into a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> back at the Blanchard home, police arrived but had to wait for a search warrant before entering. This is so funny, because this next sentence makes no sense. Okay. They did, however, allow a neighbor to enter the home through a window. But they had... So the neighbor can break and enter, but the police can't, I mean, True. essentially. I mean, kind of. Kind of, the, though. If, They're yeah. not going to charge the neighbor for that. That's They're not. You know, obviously cause for concern. Yeah. But the neighbor kind of... I don't know if he, like, got all the way in the home. He obviously... I think he just leaned in, maybe, through a window. I'm pretty sure it was a female neighbor. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the neighbor, whether it be male or female, saw that the inside of the home was not really disturbed, but all of Gypsy's wheelchairs were there. They noted that. So they were like, if she was kidnapped, she was scooped. Yeah, exactly. So once the warrant was present, police entered the home and located Dee Dee's body. Police, along with neighbors and friends, immediately thought the worst when they noticed Gypsy was not only not there, but was clearly without her wheelchair as medications and oxygen tank. Right. Aaliyah, Gypsy's neighbor and friend, told police immediately that she knew about an online boyfriend of Gypsy's and that she had actually saved some information about him in case he was needed. Good girl. I know. Like it. Was yes. Smart. Oh, I just got chills. Police got in contact with Facebook in order to trace the IP address of the account with the posts, which turned out to be in Wisconsin. Again, they're in love, not geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> Over 60 people would attend a candlelit vigil for Dee Dee in downtown Springfield the night after the body was discovered. So sad. The following day, police in Waukesha County raided the Go to John's home in Big Bend after locating Gypsy and Nick, who both surrendered immediately. They would both be taken in on charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. Hmm. And I'll explain what that means in a second, because I didn't know. Gypsy was reluctant to confess her part in the crime, but Nick allegedly told authorities almost immediately, quote, the truth is, okay, I'll admit it, I did actually stab her mom, end quote. So he, like, pretty he much immediately was like, was like, I did it. Yeah. Well, there's no sense in lying. It's and I, it's it's kind of funny watching interrogation videos when people do. When they try to like, lie. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have about. no idea who that is. Yeah. Oh, really? Because literally you were just... I mean, there's here's a photo of the two of you it's together. A photo of you killing her. <laughs> <laughs> like, we literally you have were you there. With the murder weapon. Yeah, with actively the murder weapon. Yeah. This is you uh, signing your name over and just saying, that's me with the, with the murder weapon yeah, in that photo. Exactly. 
Here's a video recording of you stabbing her and simultaneously shouting your name. <laughs> it's me, James! <laughs> and your birth date. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. So when friends and neighbors heard back in Springfield that Gypsy was safe, they were extremely relieved... But this was short-lived when they realized that not just Nick, but Gypsy as well, were both being held on a $1 million bond. Greene County Sheriff Jim Arnott announced the news of the arrest, stating, quote, things are not always what they appear, end quote. He would also comment, quote, Springfield is a going, growing community. We surround people with love and finances that we believe that needs it. However, a lot of times we are deceived, and I think this is not so true in this case at hand, end quote. So this was the press conference. I remember this. This was the press conference when they had already had Gypsy and Nick in custody mm-hmm. and had already begun to interrogate and all that other stuff and them confess. And he he had this press release but didn't specifically say her name or his name yeah. and just said, things aren't always what they seem. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God. Like what? Like, like a what movie. does that mean? Yeah. The media would soon announce the truth of Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee Blanchard's lives, stating that Gypsy had indeed never been sick and had always had the ability to walk, but her mother had made her pretend otherwise. They mentioned that Dee Dee used physical abuse to control her, and he urged people to seize all donations to the family's GoFundMe page that had been opened shortly after Dee Dee's death. Oh, could you imagine, like, donating to the GoFundMe after for, her like, death? For, like, for Gypsy's medical expenses yeah. and for the funeral expenses, Like, yeah. we gotta keep this young girl alive if they find her. Yeah. Ugh. A spokesman from Habitat for Humanity, the charity who built the Blanchard home, stated, quote, We are just really deeply saddened by the whole situation, end quote. After news spread about the treatment of Gypsy, the sympathy changed from a victim of a violent murder to a victim of horrific, decades-long child abuse. While the charges of first-degree murder can come along with the death penalty, due to the circumstances, county prosecutor Dan Patterson would announce that he would not seek it for either Gypsy nor Nick due to the case being, quote, extraordinary and unusual. Yeah. Quote. Gypsy's attorney would receive her medical records from Louisiana, the ones that didn't exist, apparently, and use that to help her case and would ultimately seek a plea bargain for second-degree murder. Mm. At this point, Gypsy was so malnourished that her lawyer had informed the media that she had actually gained 14 pounds from being in jail, a situation in which most would lose weight due to stress. Wow. That was, like, a really really key component of this like look she's, uh, like, very actually, clearly she's malnourished yeah she was actually able to eat yeah using her mouth yeah in july of 2015 at the age of 24 and just a month after the murder gypsy rose blanchard would accept the plea bargain arrange- arraignment and be sentenced to 10 years in prison she was 24 yeah she was 24 and she was made to act like a child she was probably thinking she was like 20 yeah at most Gypsy's plea bargain did not require her to testify at Nick's trial, who was facing a more severe charge due to prosecutors knowing that he initiated the murder plot, and both him and Gypsy had actually agreed that he was the one who killed Dee Dee. In January of 2017, Nick's trial was postponed when prosecutors requested a second psychiatric exam. This exam found that Nick had an intelligence quotient, or IQ, of 82, was on the autism spectrum, and suggested that he had diminished capacity. But Which, that was my first time ever realizing that IQ stood for intelligence quotient. I didn't know that. So my IQ is probably not that high. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. You're in love, not a genius. <laughs> um, 82, though, I think that the that the uh, the line, as far as what is considered below average, is mm-hmm. like, what, 78? 
76. Well, I'm not sure. I think it, I think it's 80. You think so? Yeah. Gonna Google. So you're right. Uh, this is from hrw.org. Quote, the vast majority of people in the United States have IQs between 80 and 120, with an IQ average, uh, 100 considered average. And to be diagnosed with having mental retardation, a person must have an IQ below 70 to 75 which would be considered significantly below average, end quote. So okay. that is from hrw.org. Well, I'm glad you looked that up because I didn't really know exactly um, what that average was. I really thought that 100 was average. I didn't realize it was like a spectrum of average. A you spectrum know? of average. Yeah. yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and so he was an 82. That would be considered yeah. average. Yeah. So On it's the, kind of yeah. an, an interesting that they would use that as a defense yeah. of some kind. So Nick had actually initially waived his right to a trial by jury, but would change his mind in June of that same year. So in December 2017, the judge set Nick's trial for November of 2018. In their opening statement, the prosecutors alleged that Nick had deliberated for over a year before the crime on whether or not to commit it, showing his malice aforethought because they had been talking for a while. The defense suggested that Gypsy had formulated the crime and Nick was just so love-struck that he simply done as as she had asked. The following day, text messages were shown by the prosecution to the jury, some being very sexually explicit, and from the week leading up to the murder. The knife used to commit the murder was also shown to the jury. In some of the text messages, Nick is seen as asking Gypsy about the layout of the home, Dee Dee's sleeping habits, etc., things like that. And following the showing of the text, the jury were shown a video of Nick's interview after his arrest where he um, admitted to having killed Dee Dee Blanchard. Mm-hmm. While she was not required to, Gypsy did ultimately testify on the third day of the trial, She stated that she had indeed suggested that Nick kill Dee Dee to end the abuse she was enduring at the hands of her mother. She had also suggested that the two of them try to get Gypsy pregnant so that Dee Dee had no choice but to accept Nick into the family. That was, like, another option. Dang. Along with the knife that she would give to Nick at the home, she also stole baby clothes from Walmart so that either plan was ready to launch, essentially. Her reasoning for going through with giving Nick the knife that night was that he never told her how he felt about the pregnancy plan. She's like, okay, I guess we're doing this then. You know, oh, because you never tell me. You never told me whether or not you actually want a baby, even yeah. though these are all the wrong reasons why yeah. you should have a baby. <laughs> but if they had a baby, who knows? It might have saved Dee Dee's life. That's true. You know, might have saved hers, honestly, too. R- yeah. Of gypsies. Yeah. I mean, because how are you going to. I don't know. It's like, no. you did that to your fucking child. Why well, wouldn't you do it to your grandchild? Well, that's not essentially what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if she knew that gypsy was pregnant she might have done something to gypsy and the baby that's true so after four days of trial the case was sent to the jury who had multiple options for the fate of nick they could either find him guilty of of one of three murder charges so those being involuntary manslaughter second degree murder or first degree murder or they could find him not guilty of anything Mm. after only about two hours of deliberation the jury returned with the verdict of guilty of first degree murder and armed criminal action after two hours Mm -hmm. so if you don't know what this is because i didn't armed criminal action is the intent to commit a crime while carrying a loaded weapon okay so honestly a lot of people that get charged with first degree murder probably get this charge as well they just don't really mention it because it's like first degree murder like that's the biggest charge yeah but they mention it in this one but he didn't have a gun a loaded weapon, though, a knife that's pointed uh, somewhere is technically loaded. You know what I mean? It's ready to go. You know? In February 2019, Nicholas Godijohn was sentenced to life in prison for the murder conviction. Mm. Prosecutors had declined to seek the death penalty, and Nick asked Judge David Jones for leniency on the armed criminal action charge, 
This charge carries a minimum sentence of only three years, and Nick actually wanted to not serve any additional time for this, citing that he had he had been, quote, blindly in love with Gypsy. The judge, judge did not buy Nick's speech about being a sucker for love and would sentence him to 25 extra years for that charge, Jeez. concurrent with his life sentence. Whoa. Nick's lawyer, Dwayne Perry, requested a motion for a new trial, which was denied by Judge Jones. Perry argued that the jury should not have been allowed to hear that Nick had considered raping Dee Dee on the night of the murder. <gasps> and he also argued that the state's psychologist should not have been allowed to testify, and Nick's psychologist should have. When did that come yeah, up? Yeah, fucking monkey wrench in there. Just throw that in yeah, there. Yeah, just throw that in there. Yeah, what? so apparently they had told the jury that at some point, and I think that was one thing that Nick, like, might have said to Gypsy, and that's why it was in, like, it was in those text messages. Yeah. But it really, like arguably had nothing to do with, like, the case, because, like, there was no evidence of that. Like, he clearly just killed her. So I think he was really just trying to, like, sound like a badass, honestly. Like, when maybe he told Gypsy. Either way, he was like, the jury shouldn't have been allowed to know that. Like, that was completely irrelevant to, like, what happened. But it it also shows, like, if he... I mean, he's clearly capable of murder. Who's to say he's not capable of that? Right. You know, and arguably that makes him, like, a worse perpetrator. Do you you think that... Okay, I had two thoughts. Let me see. Do you think that he would have tried to rape her or make it seem like that, like it was a another perpetrator that came in and that's why the murder occurred was because it was a sexual assault, a sexual first, assault yeah. first? Um, I don't know. I really think that I don't. I haven't read the text, but I would assume that they might have gone back and forth a little bit on like ways to like play this out. Yeah, and maybe that was something that he just suggested, like, "Oh, I could do this, and then it would look like this, or whatever." Yeah, I don't think it was like planned. Like he was going to, because it said he had considered it. Like he didn't. It wasn't part of the plan. He just decided not to last second. You know. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. What was your other point? I don't remember. Okay, that one. <laughs> that one took over. Well, I also <laughs> said that. The argument as well for the retrial, or not retrial, but yeah, well, I guess retrial, was that the state psychologist shouldn't have allowed, shouldn't have testified and Nick's psychologist should have. Oh, okay. So it's like, this guy obviously knows him more than a state psychologist that just interviewed him once, you and know, that's... so why is he testifying on behalf of... Of the defense? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Okay. So in denying the motion, Judge Jones stated that the court could find the point about the psychologist's testimonies as significant and consider it a reversible error. Hmm. Although he has no possibility of parole, Nick is still hold, holding out hope that, quote, there is something better waiting for me, there's a better verdict waiting for me, end quote. Of course, the Blanchard's neighbors were shocked to learn that Gypsy's illnesses were false. Aaliyah was noted as crying out in disbelief upon hearing that Gypsy had never been sick or disabled. Because they spent quite a bit of time together. Yeah, and, like, can you imagine feeling, like, so betrayed? By your friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaliyah's mother would recall that nobody really ever asked for proof of Gypsy's ailments, but, like, who would? You know right. what I mean? That's kind of, like, fucked if you're like, yeah, let's see proof. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? exactly. Or you can't walk, show me. You know? Show me. <laughs> like, no. Do it. Do it anyways. Dee Dee's family in Louisiana, who had tried for many years to confront her about Gypsy's health, were not broken up about her death at all. Her father, stepmother, and nephew would later state that Dee Dee deserved her fate, and Gypsy had been punished as much as she needed to be for the murder. So they were like, Dee Dee deserved it and Gypsy needs to be released. Because she's had a lifetime of suffering. Exactly. None of them would pay for Dee Dee's funeral, her family, and her father and stepmother would ultimately flush her ashes down the toilet. (gasps) No, they did not. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. That's horrific. I know. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's only kind of funny. It's not. It's It's really not. But I know that the stepmom was like, 
oh shit, you tried to kill me. You know I mean, what I mean? They're just like, ashes, but you know, but still, like, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, yeah. that is, that's not something that one typically does. It's more of like a, to prove a point kind of thing. It's like yeah. a significance kind of thing. Right. You know, it's not really, really disrespectful. It's for the it's living, it's ashes. not for her. Yeah. yeah. So Rod Blanchard, Gypsy's father, was a little bit less aggressive with his approach. <laughs> He stated, quote, I think Dee Dee's problem was that she shared a, started a web of lies and there was no escaping after. It was like a tornado got started, yeah. end quote. He also admitted to being extremely happy when he first saw a video of Gypsy walking on her own. Oh, know, it's really sweet. Even though it was in prison? Yeah. Dr. Flasterstein, uh, the pediatric neurologist who believed from the beginning that Gypsy was fully capable of walking, stated that this was only the second case of Munchausen by proxy he had ever come across. It's very rare. It is. He learned of the murder of Dee Dee when a former nurse emailed him the news story. He stated about this, quote, poor Gypsy, she suffered all those years and for no reason, end quote. It's, it's really interesting, and I think that's what makes this case so highly publicized and talked about, is because it's probably the most extreme, the most extreme case of yeah. Munchausen by proxy that's Absolutely. ever been, you know, hit by media or anything. Yeah. The doctor would also admit that he wished he had done more to help Gypsy. Uh, Mark Feldman, I mentioned him earlier, he's an international expert on fictitious disorders. He stated that this was the first case he had experienced in which a child killed an abusive parent. Mm. He had a very strong opinion on the fact that Dr. Flasterstein was made out to be the hero in, this, in a documentary about the case later on. And he would state about this, quote, He had a gross misunderstanding of his obligations as a physician, as well as the legal requirements to report suspected abuse or neglect. Mm. This conundrum arises in case after case, where innumerable doctors have evaluated the patient, perhaps had questions they kept to themselves, and just proceeded to treat or make referrals and ditch the case that way, end quote. I know. While a formal diagnosis of Munchausen by proxy for Dee is technically impossible due to the fact that she is deceased, Feldman stated that after Gypsy's guilty plea, he was confident that Dee Dee had it. Mm-hmm. He stated, quote, Gypsy was infantilized and kept away from her peers. She was a little more than a tool for Dee Dee to navigate through the world the way she wanted to, end quote. He also stated that it was, quote, unprecedented in the 24 years that he had been researching the disorder for an abused child to kill the parent, which is really interesting because she was 24 when, when, when Dee Dee died. Yeah. Or maybe when she was arrested. But either way, like, that's how long this guy's been studying this. Right. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard is still in prison, her sentence actually being up in 2026. Wow. However, she is eligible for parole next year in 2024. Mm. And I personally think that she has a really good chance of getting out. Yeah. Nick will never be eligible for parole. Gypsy has made it very clear in multiple interviews that her and Nick are no longer together. She stated about this, quote, He was very much like my mother in certain ways. Both of them were very controlling, and I feel like I was trained my whole life to do as I was told, and I feel like he wanted that for a girlfriend, end quote. Mm. Nick had his own things to say about Gypsy in his interview, quote, Unfortunately, because of how far I went, I feel as if she's betrayed me. I feel that she's abandoned me, end quote. He's probably still in love with her. Oh, yeah. And in an interview in 2018, Gypsy was quoted as saying, quote, I feel like I'm more free in prison than when living with my mom, because now I'm allowed to just live like a normal woman, end quote. Her idea of living like a normal woman is having to make about eight choices a day. In the real world, you make about, like, what, two two to three hundred or something choices a day? In prison, I think it's, like, an average of, like, eight to twelve. Because you don't have a say in a lot of things that happen. That's still more than she had. And that's still better than what she had. 
Like, it, I literally have full body heaves. Like, that's just so fucking sad. Because she can choose to eat what she wants and what she doesn't want. She exactly. can choose to do her hair or not. She can choose to who she wants to speak to and who yeah. she doesn't want to speak to. Exactly. That's just incredible. While serving her sentence in Missouri in Missouri Correctional Center, Gypsy said that she had been able to research Munchausen syndrome by proxy syndrome, excuse me, stating that her mother had every single symptom. She mentioned, quote, I think she would have been the perfect mom for someone that was actually sick. End quote. Oh, God. I know. Oh my gosh, that is heartbreaking. That like actually choked me up. Like I have like a little <sighs> bit of tears. <sighs> Gypsy stated that she believed her mom's claims that she had cancer, even though she knew she could walk and eat solid food. However, she always found herself secretly hoping that doctors would see past her mother's acts, and they never did. When asked by a reporter what made her want to escape her situation, Gypsy said that during the 2011 incident at the science fiction convention, she wondered why she was not allowed to have friends her age, or really at all. It wasn't until she met Nick, and he had become very serious about the murder, that she thought she would actually be able to get out of her situation. She also stated that she accepts that she committed a crime and she has to live with the consequences of her actions, but she also hopes that she has helped other abuse victims. Mm. According to Gypsy's family and reports, she also exhibits, at times, the same sociopathic manipulative behaviors as her mother. Mark Feldman commented on this, quote, She is already psychologically really compromised, and she's going to need as much family underpinning and support as she can get, end quote. He also stated that PTSD is likely to be an issue in her continuing development, stating, quote, I hope they find someone, wherever she chooses to settle, who, who is willing to provide supportive psychotherapy, end quote. You want to hear some good news? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, just to touch on that just a little yeah. bit. I was going to say, I hope that she is able to get the help that she needs, not only, like you said, for the PTSD that she experienced, but furthering, you know, her her mental needs, that she's going to need structure and she's going to yeah. need that support if she does get out or when she gets out, because you yeah. said it's up in 2026. Yeah, she. I mean, it's just such a... Tra like traumatizing Kate like it's so traumatic like both horrific like both ends you know and and Even I feel so bad for Jip for Dee Dee one because she was struggling with this mental disorder yeah and she obviously got murdered and I feel so bad for Gypsy too because she didn't struggle with this mental disorder and she suffered from it as yeah. well I and mean, she felt like she really didn't have any other choice who's to say that if either of them had gotten help that Dee Dee would have been able to regulate herself, get the mental help that she needed, and that Gypsy could live a full-fledged life and not, you know, and they both well, could have lived through yeah. this, you and know? And who's to say that if Gypsy tried to ask someone for help out in the real world, Dee Dee wouldn't have harmed her further, potentially killing her, you know? It's true. It's just a... Every... All, all the times you were talking about certain situations with them, I just imagined the scenarios in my head, and it's always this very dark feeling, like mm -hmm. a very dark color palette you know mm -hmm. when i when i think about these scenarios with them it's just ugh. yeah now while in prison gypsy was using a pen pal program to talk to some gentlemen and she would ultimately meet and get engaged to a man by the name of ken in april of 2019 hmm. they would reportedly call off their engagement in august of the same year but gypsy would meet another man by the name of ryan scott anderson and the two would actually marry on june 27th 2022 and are still together today oh wow okay so she's recently married yes gypsy is working toward her ged last where i saw the source it mm -hmm. she might have already accomplished it and apparently she's thriving 
Her stepmother, Christy Blanchard, told the news, quote, Despite everything, she still tells me that she's happier now than with her mom, and that if she had a choice to either be in jail or back with her mom, she would rather be in jail. For Gypsy, it's a lot of freedom, end quote. So, obviously, there's been a lot of documentaries and shows about the case, and the Blanchard family, especially on Dee Dee's side, are not too pleased with the shows. Yeah, and they feel like it's probably glorifying, yeah. well, just a very, like, a stain yeah. of some Her kind. Her cousin Bobby stated, quote, Dee Dee's sisters think it's pretty fucked up. They hate all of it. They don't know why people keep making stories about it, end quote. So, just lastly, if you would like to learn more about Munchausen syndrome by proxy, or now known as fictitious disorder, check out our mental breakdown episode, because we did do that episode. But yeah, that is the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, Dee Dee Blanchard, and Nicholas Go to John. And cut. No, I'm sure. That <laughs> isn't it wild? It's wild. you heard the story, but even hearing it again is just... Yeah. It's... I yeah, I forget. Again, like, I you, you heard me seething earlier. I was just like, I'm just fucking pissed. I just want to, you know go back in time and punch this woman in the face yeah man it's a really hard one like <laughs> but again, i get it she, sorry but it, just to say again she suffered from a mental disorder yeah. a very severe mental disorder yeah absolutely so you know what do you how do you where's the blame yeah i know exactly like that's why it's such a hard one it's like who do you put the blame on like do you put it on her for starting it do you put it on her parents for maybe causing her to have trauma that Dee's parents i mean for causing right. her to have trauma that developed that mental disorder right. or you know, you never know. And, you know, I, again, speak for my myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else. I personally think that Gypsy will not be a danger to society if she's released. Isolated case. That's what I, I feel I about think Menendez. That Nick, I think that Nick needs to serve the remainder of his life yeah. in prison like he's going to. But I definitely think that every single person in this story was, was mentally ill. Yeah. Like, and not to say that uh, Gypsy was, but I think that her mother kind of put so much trauma into her life that she almost, like, caused one to, yeah, to she, develop. Yeah, she was saying, you know, you're sick, you need to protect yourself from other people, germs, yeah. diseases. Um, she she used scare tactics yeah. in order to get Gypsy to do what she wanted to do because of her mental disorder. Mm-hmm. And she's there creating mental disorders, yeah, you know? Exactly. I mean, whether or not Dee Dee would have gotten help, you know, the damage was done, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and had either of them lived through this and um unscathed if you will um with even then with therapy and stuff like gypsy would still have some of the things that she's exhibiting now i completely agree if you guys are interested in looking at any like documentaries or anything on this case i know that mommy dead and dearest is like an actual documentary and then there is a reenactment like kind of like docu not docu series but like a series called the act it's a reenactment but just to shout out my girl, Joey King. She's, like, one of my favorite actresses, and she plays Gypsy. Yeah, and Patricia Arquette, who is, okay, like, well, yeah. one of my queens, and she yeah. plays Dee Dee. So, yeah. yeah. It's a really great, great show, and it honestly, like, kind of gives you a little bit more... And I'm sure they, like, fabricated a couple of things, you know, like, minimal, like, a detailed conversation is probably not completely yeah. accurate. But it's really, really a good show. And, right. And I watched it, like, as soon as it came out. I was like, oh, my God. But, yeah, um, I think that's all I have. That was a, that was a whopper it's there. A doozy. <laughs> Oh, but I think it's time for me to announce, I think, my <gasps> oh, yeah. 29th. Okay. So, not to be confused with the first case that I did for our bonus Patreon episode, uh-huh. the Toy Box Killer. Okay. I will be doing the Toolbox Killers <laughs> for my next <laughs> Toolbox Killers. Toolbox Killers. Not Toy Box Killer. Yes. Okay. Toolbox, Toolbox killers. killers. And that is Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. Interesting. And they are some 
ruthless sons of bitches. They were some ruthless yeah. sons of bitches. And when I tell you, Patreon members, we never get a content warning. I almost still want to put one in, but I'm not going to because you know what you're getting yourself into with it's the true. Patreon episodes. Yep. Just get ready because it's fucking gnarly. If you are interested in listening to the Toolbox Killers episode that Kenna is going to bring on the 29th of this month, which is July, depending on when you're listening to. Boyfriend's Bricky. <laughs> we will be releasing that for our Tier 2 and Tier 3 Patreon members only. On that Patreon exclusive, you get no content warning, no ads, n- hardly any editing, mm-hmm. and that's going to be like, sometimes we leave in coughs, honestly. Honestly. Because you guys um, love us already. Just raw stuff, because we know what you guys are into if you become a Patreon member. Yeah. And don't forget that even our Tier 1, which is the $5 tier, also gets ad-free episodes as well. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm really glad that we were able to do that case, honestly, because yeah. I know that we've talked about it in, like, probably eight of our other episodes. I told you I was never going to do it. Yeah. Kenna and I sometimes, like, we we talk to each other, we're like, oh, okay, you know what? I heard about this case, but I really want you to do it. Yeah, I'm, like, not I'm gonna never going to do it. I want to listen to it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I want you to tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we will see you guys on Monday with Monday. another Minty Breaky. Minty Breaky. All right. Love, love you. you. Bye. Bye. Your mental health is super important to us, so we're thrilled to announce that we are sponsored by BetterHelp to support you. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can access a network of over 30,000 licensed therapists with a wide range of specialties and be linked with the perfect match. Whether it's via text, chat, or video call, you can talk to your therapist when it works for you. When it comes to your mental health, BetterHelp is a convenient and affordable option for therapy. Get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash D-A-K-P-O-D. That's BetterHelp.com slash D-A-K-P-O-D for 10% off your first month.